It was uh, during the time uh, right uh, World War II, a number of years ago. John, of course, was stationed here in Florida. It's a true story. He uh, was a studious individual, and he was at the library and doing some research. He was in the military stationed here. And doing the research, he found a book. It was a leather-bound book and uh, began to read, and he noticed notes in the margin of the book, and he was attracted to the notes, not so much by what the book necessarily said, but what notes were in the margin. And he fell in love with just the writings of that person that was the previous proprietor of that particular book. He actually took the book. He realized and finally uh, checked out the name of the individual who owned the book, and her first name, of course, was Hollis, Hollis Maynell. Tracked her down. Her address was in New York, as of New York City. He began to write her. He wrote her and asked her and said, I'm intrigued with what you've written in the margins and of this particular book, and I just feel like you're a lady that I'd like to get to know a little bit more. She responded to uh, his amazement, and uh, a couple of letters passed, and shortly after that, he was moved overseas for the war. He was there 13 months. Well, they wrote every single day, as much as the mail would pass, wrote love notes to one another, letters to one another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Old John, he did what any man want to do. He said, hey, sweetie, and I'm paraphrasing now, but since it's my story, I can do that. Hey, sweetie, I'd sure love to have a picture of you. Kind of like to show you off to some of my comrades. She said, no, thank you. I don't want to send a picture. Not only about you, I thought about it as I studied this story. I thought, well, you know, that would be a contemplation point for me. You know, you're, you're a great writer and uh, you, you're re really able to express yourself, but if you're not willing, you know, you're not willing to send a picture, you know, and men, men are moved by what? By visual. Did you know that? But she stood her ground. No. He continued to write. He's ready now to come back. And they agreed to meet, I love this story, in Grand Central Station. How many has ever been to Grand Central Station? It's the same as it was a long, long time ago. Been there. Meet, 7 o'clock p.m. I have the date. And buddy, John was there early. 7 o'clock p.m. Grand Central Station back during that time was really one busy place because you had soldiers coming and going transportation of hundreds of thousands of people and she said now you'll know me because I'll have a rose on my lapel I thought okay you know he's anxious he wants to see her he's scoping the place out looking and he sees a lady coming down the hallway and he looks as hard as he can look and uh he thinks, wow, that's unbelievable. She's blonde. She's blue-eyed. 
She could have been brown with green eyes. She could have been a redhead with red eyes, but the story says, what I'm trying to say is not make any enemies to you ladies, but we all know that only you know the real color of your hair, okay? <laughs> but she's blonde and she's blue eyes. And buddy, she is dressed to the nines. He looks at her, the closer she gets, the better looking she gets. He looks at her, she take my breath away. <laughs> he goes toward her. He's almost ready to open his arms and give her a big embrace. And all of a sudden he realizes, a little yard talk here, there ain't no rose in her lapel. His heart broke. But right behind her, was a little stout lady. Now the story says she was an older woman, but it says she was 40. That's the story. Now I'm not saying that for myself, but the way the story describes her, she had fat ankles, fit in a little pair of, of high heel shoes, kind of flat shoes, etc. And the, and, the, and the ankle kind of went over the side you understand what I'm talking about? She, she, of course, had a pretty smile. She had graying hair and a pretty gray hair, and she had a beautiful smile, and she had the goods. She had a rose in her lapel. And he walked up to her. He saluted her. He said, my name is Lieutenant John Blanchard. It is so good to meet you. She said, it is good to meet you. He said, thank you for coming. What a joy. He said in his heart, he knew, wow, this is not going to be a romantic relationship, but all that riding, we can have be a great friends together. Doesn't matter what she looks like. She's written some great stuff, said things to me in the letter that's Mumar. I can be a good friend to her. And he says, would you like to go to dinner? And she smiled really big. She said, well, I wouldn't. But the young lady that was just ahead of me begged me to take this rose and put it in my lapel. And she said that if you ask me out to dinner to tell you that she's in the restaurant across the street waiting to meet you, that was the real Hollis Maynell. She thought, if this guy is who I think he is, he'll be kind to this lady. And if he asks her to dinner, he's the man that I want. He said, I was truly in love with her. Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful story? And you know what? It's a true story. It's a true story. You can Google it up. How true it is. About a third of you think it's a good story. What about the rest of you? You looking for a better story? I got more. Thank you. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? So here we go. Love demonstrated. Do you have anybody you don't like? you have anybody that you have uh, just kind of a rough edge with? you have anybody that in your heart of hearts you've given yourself permission to dislike? You have anybody you say, if I see them coming, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with them. I'm going the other way. 
You have anybody that you're related to, you said, hey, I don't want to be in the room with them at all. Where does that attitude come from? And does that espouse a heart and relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, my Lord, have mercy, everybody. We're supposed to love our enemies. And that word love, if you study in the, in the, in the, in the Hebrew form, you find love your neighbor, and love yourself. Here's, here's what you're going to find out. In the Greek, you're going to find out that's a deep word that means a love that you truly embrace them, that you appreciate them. Well, let me ask you a few questions. Do you know, if, if, it, if the answer to this, you can answer amen. Do you know what it's like to be truly loved? About a half of you. Do you know what love feels like? Five foot two, eyes are blue, you know. Is that love? No. You know what love feels like? Well, here's another. Do you know what it's like not to be loved or be rejected? Anybody? Not to be loved or rejected. I was in love with you once, but not anymore. Well, our story has all the emotions that deals with us. And once again, God welcomes us to come to his table. And he said, I've got a meal prepared for you. And I want to feed you something that's really going to bless you. You're going to be a better follower. You're going to be able to deal with some issues. You're going to, you're going to be able to deal with some trouble that might be in your heart. And after this message is over and you have this meal, I want you to know you're going to be a better follower and I'm going to be more happy with you than I've ever been. Here's what I know as I study about love. Love keeps a tender heart. Love keeps a tender heart. Genesis 45, verse number 2. And it said, and he wept so loudly, the Egyptians heard him, the Pharaoh's household heard about it. 13 years is a long, long time to be away from those that you love without any communication whatsoever. That was Joseph's situation. That was the number of years that he had not seen his family. As a matter of fact, the parting, the parting relationship that he had with his brothers was not good in any way, shape, or form. And it's a miracle. It is a miracle as you study the story. It is an absolute miracle that he even wanted to see them at all. I mean, he had every human right emotionally. If you were to put him in today's culture, he would say, I'm going to write you off. You boys didn't think anything of me. You wanted me to be gone, and you have professed that I was dead, and now I have an opportunity to deal with you. But he did not do that. He was his father's favorite child. At least that's what he remembered. He was the youngest of the 12 sons at that time. He was an heir of the family. I mean, gracious alive. Jacob had him when Jacob should have been, well, he shouldn't have had any kids. And he was hated by his brothers. His brothers sold him as a slave. Some wanted to kill him. And of course, we know others stood in his stead and his brothers gave him up for dead. And that happened when he was 17 years old. You talk about emotionally warped. You talk about having an opportunity to say, wow, I've got the dirty end of the stick. You know, at least dad loved me. He went from being the dearly beloved of his father as a favorite son to the slave in a camp of the Egyptian authorities. And he had every single reason in the natural. And often we give ourselves permission to have every single reason to be bitter to be bitter, to be resentful, to be depressed, to be emotionally damaged, to be hard-hearted and cold and said, I've given it my best shot. I've tried. They don't want relationship or that person hurt me in the church. And, and you wander far, far away. And from 17 to 30 years of age, he had plenty of opportunity to build his case about what it means to be bitter, what it means to feel unloved. 13 years unknown by his brothers, he was still when he saw them, 
move with compassion. You got to be asking yourself the question, what caused a person during all these tenuous years of difficulty and challenge, of rejection, how do you stay tender? How do you stay palatable to life itself? He could not contain his emotions. He saw them. He wept loudly. He calmed his brother's fear. Tenderhearted through life in general will take an effort every single day. But you can't do it. You have to remember that God's Word helps us remain tenderhearted. What ticks you off? What gets under your skin? What rattles your cage? What is it and how easily are you willing to write somebody off? How quickly are you going to be offended? How long do you put up with someone saying, I I could care less if you left the face of the earth? Here's what Lamentations 3.22, because of the Lord's great love, we are consumed or we are not consumed for His compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If God's on his throne and he's looking down and saying, okay, here's in order for me to remain compassionate toward you, you're going to have to reach a 70% level of the kind of behavior that you love everybody. 70% level. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you a few cases. I'm going to send you a few cases to see if you can maintain that tenderheartedness. I'm going to have them, hey, you're fired from here. We don't need you anymore. You did a good job, but we've got someone else that we think is better. Remain tenderhearted. Or you've got somebody, well, I, I tried to call the preacher at the office. I couldn't get a hold of him. Or I, I tried to communicate with somebody at church, and, and they, they even give the time of day. And I'm a tither, bless God. What does it take for you to remain tenderhearted? You see, the situation is Hollis. They know she said, I want to find out. Is what this guy said in his letters, if he's the real deal. I'm going to pass right by him. Well, she winked at him when she went by, but she didn't have the rose. But he knew rose was the signal, and behind her was what he would consider at his age, a young man, kind of an undesirable, oh, a sweet lady, a wonderful lady, great manners, great writing skills as far as he knew. But he maintained integral. He maintained tenderhearted, did not let his emotion get to him, and it paid off. His compassions never fail. God said, here's the deal. I tell you to remain tenderhearted, but I know so many times you give yourself permission in certain situations to just pass that right on by. And you catalog anxiousness and anger and bitterness and resentment and an attitude that, hey, you know, I don't want that anymore. He said, it's because of God's compassion on you that are there every single day. It was his tender heart. Joseph revealed the heart of God and why God has specifically chosen him to be the deliverer and the protector of God's special people, the Israelites. It was his heart that was there. It was his tender heart of compassion. Joel writes in Joel 2 verse 13, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity for his compassion. Don't don't rend your heart, not your garments. That's what you usually do if you did rent the garments. He said, no, do that to your heart, for God is gracious and compassionate toward you. 
Learn to put behind you the the pain and the difficulty and the resentment and the bitterness. Learn to put those individual circumstances behind you. Joseph had the opportunity to rebel and become hard-hearted, but he remained tender. Just tender. Things to remember. When we have a tender heart, it's God-like. Tender heart gives us the advantage. A tender heart renders your enemy helpless. And a tender heart will open the door for blessing. Paul steps to the plate and courageously and boldly says in Romans 12, 20 and verse 21, on the contrary, he said, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Tenderheartedness helps you do that. Number two, love maintains a positive perspective. It does. It maintains a positive perspective. Genesis 45, 8. So then it was not you, speaking to his brothers, who sent me here, but God. It was God. Boys, if you think you're the reason I got here, you know why he said that? Because he did not give himself permission during the time from 17 to 30 to build a case against his brothers. He depended on God. That's why he was able to say, you didn't send me here. He kept giving his brothers slack. He kept giving them room. He kept, he kept making excuses for them. They didn't mean what they said or tolerate them, I will. They were misunderstanding. They were just misbehaving. They really do love me. He was feeding himself in order to maintain a tender heart and maintain a positive perspective. And the minute that you start building a case as to why you can defend a position, you will become hard hard-hearted, you become crippled in your spiritual walk with God, and you will become bitter, and the words of your mouth will be manifested, and before long, people will know that situation, and that person is a sore subject for you if they bring it up. Why should that be? Surely, we can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts It wasn't you that sent me, but God. You made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. And he did it in 13 years. And in 13 years, I faced a lot of trauma. Having a tender heart will enable you to maintain a positive perspective when your world is falling apart. When one sickness after another, one pain after another, one bad business deal after another, one failed closing after another, one misunderstood friendship after another, one miscommunication after another. Wow. But a tender heart will enable you to maintain a positive perspective when your world is falling apart. Oh, my world's not falling apart. My world's not falling apart. Yes, it is. Don't try to hide that. Don't try to lie to yourself. Sure, it is falling apart. 
But I know this one thing, even though it's falling apart. I've got a coach who is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, making intercession for me. And if I maintain a tender heart and a positive perspective, he will fight my battles for me. Our enemy, we must grasp this sooner or later. Our enemy is not the person we're angry or upset with. It's not people. It's not some circumstance. And it's not the godless world. Let me tell you who your enemy is. If he can get you to constantly shoot at circumstance and situation and people, you won't be shooting at him. And we need to be shooting at the enemy. Amen? The devil, he is the author of those kinds of situations. Our enemy of Satan himself, Joseph 17, he lost his family, sold as a slave. We know that, falsely accused of rape, placed wrongly in prison, placed on death row, and he maintained a positive attitude. Just a positive attitude. Wow, it's unbelievable. The word perspective means the ability to view things in their true relation and relative importance. We all have those stories that we can tell. He remembered his dream. Well, I have this my brothers can't take from me, Genesis 37. It said that one day I saw myself in my dream, one day I'm going to rule. I'm going to rule. Well, let's see if you got the goods. Let's see if you got the goods because life will try to steal your dreams. And life will try to put you in the pit of despair and pity and detour your focus and create circumstance and cause you to quit and become calloused. And I could give the names of numerous individuals sitting here right now that I believe are absolutely world-class champions because I know the challenges that they have gone through and the circumstances. And I have watched them weep and I have watched them tremble, but I have watched them always maintain a high level of integrity and love God and love Jesus and not allow the enemy me to drag them down they have stood strong and you know what they are being blessed today that's God's desire for all of us I get to choose every single day what did Joseph say to us brothers I don't hold you responsible you were used by God <laughs> you boys you're not spiritual you thought you did it I'm not giving you that credit it was God not you God sent me to to preserve your life. You didn't understand it. God has used me to save our people. You see, he maintained that perspective for 13 years. His dream was bigger than his trouble. And let me say this to you. When you have trouble and when you have circumstance that irritate and surround you, always remember this. If you remain faithful, there's something when you come through that that God will reward you with that will cause you to be able to harness up to something bigger than you could ever imagine. And the challenge made you strong enough to be able to go to that next level in Jesus Christ. So when it happens, and it will, you just hang tough. You just be positive. You keep that tender heart. God, you know good and well, I'd love to just kill them. Hopefully you're talking about your own kids. I had a lady one time told me out and out, I want to kill my son. That's what I'm going to do. I said, well, you, don't, you just don't want to harm him. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, like send him to the corner. He's too big for that. He'd be better off if he were dead. I had a man of integrity one time tell me about his, about his daughter. He said, you know, Pastor, I tell you what, I don't, I don't believe in whippings. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in, in, you know, discipline like that. But he said, I'd just like for her, I'd like to kill her. She gets me so mad. I'm thinking, and you, you don't want to discipline? I said, that's mistake number one right there. But anyway, that's right here.
I may go from zero, but here's the deal. Look at the beauty God has given all of us to say, hey, I trust you to load your truck up with challenges that are beyond in your mind ability to bear. But if you just stay sweet, you'll have to pray. You'll have to really go the extra mile. You'll have to get down in granny gear in order to make it through this. But you will. You know, when they come up, smile in your face and shake your hand as if they've won. You just shake their hand and be polite and nice. And let the love of Jesus flow. His dream was bigger than his trouble. His love was not conditioned upon circumstance. His perspective was conditioned to be positive. And it's no wonder when he saw his brothers, he could not contain himself. The good lieutenant said, I want you to know when I looked into the face of that, what he said was an elderly woman. How many of you know that 40 is not old? Can I get an amen? Amen. How many know that 50 is not old? Can I get an amen? amen? How many know that a 55 is not old? Can I get an amen? amen. How many of you know that 58 is not old? Say amen. amen. How many of you believe 60 is not old? Amen. How many believe 85 is not old? Amen. Y'all sick. <laughs> wow. Probably get to wear new underwear at about 85 called Depends. I have no idea where that came from. I just have to do a lot of reading on the habits of people. He was conditioned. I don't know what emotion he went through when he saw his mother. He couldn't contain himself. And the good lieutenant, when he saw this lady, he thought, well, he had to think. Though his heart was broken, And though the anticipation of 13 months of riding seemed like, wow, unbelievable. Would you like to go to dinner? She said, no. But the lady who begged me to wear this rose, the woman that was right before me, she said, if you ask me that, She's over across the street at the restaurant waiting on you. Here's what God says. If in that moment of confrontation, in that moment when you can break, if you maintain spiritual integrity, God will say the table that you're eating at now is a pretty good-sized table. But I've got another table that's a whole lot bigger that is a whole lot more beneficial that's worthy of your faithfulness because of who you are by the grace of God and when you maintain that tender heart you keep a positive perspective you see I'm, I'm preaching to me everybody I mean my mind's going 90 miles an hour of all the people that wow uh, you, you, anyway love produces a fruitful future it produces a fruit let's look at it you can see for yourself and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and everything you have seen. And bring my father down quickly. He's one happy camper. 
But you know what he said when he called him? I studied that word there. When he says, come closer, here's what it meant. It meant, no, I, I'm, I'm here on the throne, and you guys come down here. Just come a little closer from back there. No, what he wanted, it says that he actually created a huddle with them so that he could feel their breath. He wanted them to see his face and say, the voice that you hear changed since I was 17. But my face hasn't. I'm your brother. He wept. Could he still remember the rejection? Could he still remember the smell in the jail? Could he still hear Potiphar's wife scream? Does he still remember that the chief butler forsook him? But the sight of his family hearing that he had a baby brother, finding that his father was alive, and having the power to be second in command, caused by all his previous circumstances to pale compared to the joy that he felt in his heart. This love story ended with Joseph in the seat of power, delivering his people, providing for them, reunited with his brothers, having favor with Pharaoh, and he ruled for 80 years and died at 110 years of age. Who won? Well, who fought the battle to win? It was Joseph. Did his brothers win? Only because of Joseph. Did his people win? Only because of Joseph. Did Pharaoh win? Only because of Joseph. Did Egypt win? Only because of Joseph. And your ability to remain tender and to remain passionate through the storms that you will face will not only benefit you, but it will benefit those that are closely associated with you for your children will observe how you manage disappointment and say, wow. And you'll have friends who will say, I'll tell you what, if I were you, I would go after them. Let me give you the answer to them. Shut your mouth, please. Why? Because the anointing of God only rests on those who have a made-up mind to love God and to love people. Amen? Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Here we go. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. This is another one of those life lessons that just comes right down from heaven. And God, I, I want you to know that I, I don't want to dislike, I don't want to hate anyone, and I don't, I don't want to dislike anyone. Well, sure, Lord, we all have people that get on our nerves. And we have some people that know how to get on our last nerve. I mean, just the last nerve. And God, for some reason or another, you, you planted them to live right next door to us. Just right next door, or, or work right next to our office. Or some circumstance, God, that just will not leave, that we got to labor under. And we got to figure out how to get out of it. And we didn't even cause it. We were not one of the players that created 
the challenge or catastrophe, but now we're called upon to come into an untenable situation and, and try to deal with it and make it better. But God, all those things that happen to us is because you trust us. You trust us enough to be able to shoulder that responsibility. And if any of us are not well in our body or we're facing relational challenges or financial or what it is, whatever it is, it's because you trust us. It's because we have the privilege to be able to rise up and say, God, I don't understand this. And quite frankly, I don't like it. But I know this. You have the ability to close the door on that so that it would never come nigh my dwelling. But you didn't. You allowed it to come my way. So since you have, I'm going to do my best to be a reflection, a reflection of who you are. Just as Jesus said, Father, don't lay this sin. Don't charge them with that. But we know that's our prayer. So God, we, want, we don't want the little penny annie things that, that get in our way, that just get under our skin and aggravate us. We don't want those things to control our life. We want a heart that's free. We want to have the liberty. We want a clear perspective. We want a joyful heart. We want to really, when we say we love them, sometimes we may say it in faith, but God help us to get to the place that we can say that really out of our heart of hearts. And say, I do love them. And Father, give them the benefit of the doubt of the circumstance. So do a work in our hearts here tonight. Just in case there's some of you listening online, and I know there are many who do. And those of you in this room right now, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Here we go. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, Jesus I, repent. I repent. I am responsible, I'm responsible for my own actions. My own actions. I have acted in a way I have responded in a way that's not pleasing to you. But tonight, I'm going to clean the closet of my heart out. I want everything in my heart that would weight me down. I want it out. I want a pure heart. I want a pure mind. And I want to feel the anointing of your spirit in my life. So here I am, Lord. Seeking your compassion, seeking your forgiveness, and seeking your mercy. So here am I. Do with me what you choose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, God answers prayer. He really, really, really does. Well, the story of the lady said, I wish my son was dead. That was emotion. They do great things together today. The man who said, I wish my daughter was dead, she was a little teenage daughter. He was a businessman. He went home to be with the Lord a number of years ago and, and certainly the one who stood by his side while he was dying was that little girl that had gained about four more years then who loved her daddy beyond belief. Jesus is able. You need prayer. You slip down. We'll give the benediction in a minute. But let's just pray. In your heart of hearts, can you pray for those who might be struggling right now and really need deliverance here? Here we go. We're going to sing. You come, whatever your need is, right now. I believe you're my healer. I believe you Yes, you are. 
Him? Can we do that? Father, we worship and praise you. We thank you. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you today for what you've done. We thank you for this day, for this rain. We thank you for everybody here, everybody listening. God, we want to leave here because we believe the rapture could take place right now. And Father, we want to do everything that we can to be honorable, to be men and women of integrity, individuals that are absolutely in love with you. God, anything that's in our heart, any bitterness, any root of bitterness, any, anything that's there that would create a, an angst in uh, our lives toward others, help us, Lord Jesus. Help us in Jesus' name. So now I pray blessing and favor on this congregation. I pray blessing and favor on every business, upon every family, on every grandchild, every child, every great-grandchild. I pray, God, that favor would come to them. I pray that we'll be the standard bearers to tell those in generations coming behind us that this is what it means to live for Jesus Christ. I pray in tight spots that we will not cave in and we'll not lose it, but we will shine through the love of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, if there's something, someone in this room that's really burdened down right now and they're fighting an uphill battle and it is getting to them, I pray a release in the name of Jesus as they call on you, God. Give them liberty, hallelujah. It's not important, as much important to win the battle as it is how to fight the battle. So God, we wanna fight a good battle and leave the decision at the end of the day up to you. And we declare that in our prayer right here and right now and give you the praise and give you the honor and everybody said amen amen god bless you thank you turn to your neighbor and say wow it was good worshiping with you tonight i love you everybody god bless you Oh
Jesus, you're all. 